Hello, everybody. This is John with Catholic for Rednecks. Thank you for dropping by my podcast, which will soon be uploaded to YouTube as well. If you do YouTube, just look for me, Catholic for Rednecks. Same name. It'll take me a while to get these spaced out and put on there. But uh, I'm here to answer questions about the Catholic faith and doing that one episode at a time. This is not some big theological deep dive where we um, quote a lot of tons of scriptures and historical facts and theology. It's just meant to be a brief answer to uh, simple questions in a way that most folks can understand. And uh, if you want to get deeper into any of these topics, then I suggest that you buy yourself a catechism of the Catholic Church and try to grind through that thing like I did. It's a really, really tough sledding. But I went to a, a, through a program called RCIA, and that is a school or, or classes that one would take to join the Catholic Church. And I notice I, I did not say you have to take the classes to uh, get saved or to be born again. But if you want to be a Catholic, a member of the Catholic Church, and be able to take communion and get married in a Catholic Church, things like that, then you have to take these classes. They're called RCIA, and they're adult classes. They usually start around Labor Day at any Catholic Church in the world. And the one I went to was at St. Mark's the Evangelist, in Birmingham, Alabama. And it was every Monday night from Labor Day to Easter. Then after we took all these classes, we got to become Catholic on Easter vigil. The night before Easter, we got sworn in and we took our vows and some of us were baptized, but it was just like a big, you know, coming in party to be Catholic. And we got to take communion for the first time and all of our Family and friends were there. But one night, we met on Monday nights, and I think we got started around 6 in the evening, and we'd go to about 9.30, and we just took a whole bunch of classes and would have a question and answer period. And, you know, we were required to take a certain percentage of these classes before we could officially be confirmed as Catholic. But at the same time, they had a big old exit sign there at the front door, and they let us know, you know, you don't have to be here, and uh, you can leave if you don't want to be Catholic. You can leave if you want to. So it wasn't like someone was holding us hostage. And so one time, I guess about a third of the way through, the we had a bishop. His name was Bishop David Foley, and he was pretty... Uh, famous as a Catholic bishop in these parts. He was real, real short. Probably um, he was well under five foot tall. And when I would stand next to him at Mass and he'd be wearing his funny-looking bishop hat, I would still be taller than him. But he was, he was like 90 years old. He's passed away since then, but he was the uh, bishop emeritus. Um, we had a, an acting bishop, but he would fill in and he came to class one night, and he was a very nice fellow. And I'm a real, real short fellow, old, probably about 90. 
and uh, he would take off his bishop's ring and hand it around and let us look at it. You know, it's a tradition in the Catholic Church, I think, that priests would kiss the bishop's ring. Um, what is a bishop? Well, you know, you remember you had the apostles. Well, they're the guys that took the apostles' place. The apostles became bishops. For instance, the apostle John became the bishop John. Um, they oversaw the churches there in the early days, and they would ordain leaders to take their place. And the Catholic Church has been ordaining bishops. Uh, it's a line of apostolic succession all the way from the Peter and the disciples all the way to Bishop David Foley, which came to teach a class. Now, he did a question and answer, and here we are. We got about 30 or 40 of us in there. And, you know, we're all, you know, brand new, don't know much about the Catholic faith, mostly Baptist. Southern Baptist is pretty big. But I remember one of the guys in the class raised her hand and said, because the bishop won't know, is there any questions that are bothering you? Is there anything you can't get your mind wrapped around? Of course, I had about 40 things I was dealing with. But uh, he got to the guy on my right, and he raised his hand. And he said, oh, Bishop Foley, what does the church think about the rapture? And then uh, he said, can you be more specific? And he said, yeah, like the book of Revelations, where does the church stand on that? Well, as you might know, the word rapture is not found in the Bible. It's nowhere in the Protestant Bible. It's not in the King James Bible. You may find it in the Catholic Bible, um, the, Latin, the uh, Latin Vulgate, which came out in 382 by Jerome. Uh, that word rapture might be there, but in the Protestant church, now this was really big with me growing up. I was born and raised Southern Baptist, 85th Street Baptist Church in East Lake, Alabama, and then I wound up at Robert Park Baptist Church and that was in the 70s and 80s, and there were all these movies like Left Behind, and there was this big rapture frenzy, and that's all they talked about. And the rapture is where we're all just going through our lives, and then one day Jesus comes, and all the Christians, all the believing, practicing Christians in the world disappear. They're caught up to heaven. And then after that, there's a great tribulation where the book of Revelations just blows up in the world and it's just the worst time in the world. But all the Christians, they get snatched up and they're up there uh, with Jesus and partying and everybody that didn't believe in Jesus is down here going through the book of Revelation. So that's what the rapture was. Now, again, the word rapture is not found anywhere in the Bible. It's just a expression that came from the Catholic Bible. I believe there's a word that uh, apostate that uh, when you translate it came out like rapture. Or I can't pronounce it. But anyhow, so the fellow to my right asked Bishop Foley, what do you think about the book of Revelation? So he said, well, the Catholic Church just believes that at the end of time, Jesus is coming back. It's the second coming. Okay, he came the first time, Advent, when he was born a little baby, and uh, grew up and, you know, taught and was crucified 
died, was buried, and rose again. That was the first time he came. Uh, you know, Jesus of Nazareth. And then the next time he comes, we'll be at the end of the age. You know, if you read John chapter 6 in the King James Bible, which is the only Bible that I use because that's what I defend and explain the Catholic Church with amongst friends here in the South. But if you read through John chapter 6, Jesus plainly says that he will come again on the last day. He says that over and over. Now, the old Baptists and Pentecostals and church, all those people, they got a hundred different ways to say that there's uh, like two and three second comings. They believe that there's a secret second coming called the rapture. And some of them believe that there's a rapture during the middle of the tribulation. Some of them believe, I mean, they're all over the place. And you can get 500 of them together in one room and get 500 different explanations about the rapture and the second coming. But the Catholic Church just believes that at the end of this age, that God is going to send Jesus back to judge the living and the dead. We quote it every time we do the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed at every Mass. Now the book of Revelation. My classmates say, well, Bishop Foley, what about the book of Revelation? What does the church think about that? Now, this is his, this is Bishop Foley, and I did not get to discuss this matter with him, but he says, this is what he said. It kind of, kind of blew me away at the moment. He said, the book of Revelation was simply a template or a guide explaining to the secret underground church how to celebrate the Mass, how to have church. And that there was a lot of symbolism and crazy stuff in there. All this apocalyptic stuff was in there to throw the enemies of the church off. That they wrote in how to do the Mass and then surrounded it and used all this end times, crazy, apocalyptic, symbolism, imagery to make the Roman soldiers, Rome, the Roman government, the persecutors think that we were just crazy as hell and that this letter from John was reproduced and sent out to all the churches and that the Christians of that era understood these symbols and signs and all. That kind of blew me away and I didn't get to discuss it with them, but I'll tell you what, that made more sense in all the classes I took in seminary, I took a class called eschatology, which means end times. And let me tell you something. They were supposed to go through the book of Revelation verse by verse, but they didn't. They did a lot of hopping around because you'd get to one part that seemed to contradict what they just said, and uh, they'd get skip it and go to another part. And what they tried to do is what all Protestants try to do. Excuse me, I had to wet my whistle there, all the Protestants, when I say Protestant, I mean non-Catholic, charismatic, Church of Christ, non-denominational, Assembly of God, Methodist, they all try to get all the things Jesus said about the end times in the Gospels. Then they try to get everything Paul said about it and Peter, and then they get that big old book of Revelations, and they get the book of Daniel, and they try to get it all lined up perfect 
where it all fits together into a perfect picture, and it don't. It absolutely does not. One of my friends told me today she grew up going to Catholic schools and never remember a class on uh, the book of Revelations. That's because uh, a lot of the Catholic churches looks at it as a big mystery. And I listened to a good part of it today. I've read the book of Revelations many times, and I listened to a good part of it today. And I tend to just look at it as this is my interpretation. I'm I, I'm no learned professor, okay? And my guess is as good as anyone's. And you know, Martin Luther, one of the founders of the Protestant religion, he tried, he shit-canned it, got rid of it. Now, he had to bring it back, but he thought it was a bunch of nonsense. And uh, I believe it's the Word of God. But, you know, it's a, it's a vision, the uh, apocalypse, the revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's, a, it's end times. And in it, you read about the, you hear about. I like listening to it. If you'll get go to Spotify or audio book or something and just listen to the book of Revelation and not try to interpret it, just listen to it. Um, there's a lot of images and symbolism in there that I myself take literally. I really do. Um, when they start describing these strange events and creatures and things, uh, I just take it literally because there's a lot of strange things in this world people are starting to find out about um, that, you know, we we thought were myths and legends and now we got video and thousands of testimonies of weird stuff and I just believe the weird stuff in Revelation or the apocalypse is just the way it says uh, the end of the world. Now, when it comes to the Catholic Mass, I also see that. I can see in the front, you know, you see everything in the Catholic Mass is in the book of Revelations. Even when the elders, you know how they're before the throne, then they fall down on their knees and they uh, sing certain things. We do that. As far as I know, the Catholic Mass is the only Christian religious service where we actually get on our knees before God twice and sing. We say things that are in the book of Revelation. We got the candlesticks. We got the, the incense. All of that is in the book of Revelation. The priestly garments, the white robes of the altar boys. Talks about the saints wearing white and before the throne. Um, it describes the word of God, which is the first part of the mass is when the uh, word of God is preached. And then the second part of the mass is the Eucharist where the Word of God is consumed, the wedding feast of the Lamb. So the first part of the Mass, you have all these hymns. We do the Glorium, and a lot of that Glorium hymn is found in the book of Revelation. And you got your robes, you got your priestly garments, you got your music, um, you got your altar up there. The Catholic Church actually has an altar because we believe that the Mass is the sacrifice of Jesus. It become, it, We go back into time, and it's the same event. So we believe we've got an altar. We've got angels up there. If you look at a Catholic altar, you, you see the tabernacle, like the Holy of Holies, like the throne of God. You see these angels with the wings pointing towards it. Um, just like in the book of Revelation, you got all these priests and bishops and 
people bowing down at certain times, just like the book of Revelation. Um, you got the Word of God. It describes the Word of God. And then you got the wedding feast of the Lamb, which is the Eucharist. Um, you got the Lamb slain the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. You see Jesus up there on a crucifix. He is the lamb, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And the songs we sing, you can find all of it in the book of Revelation. So I agree with the bishop on, on what he said that the mass is in the book of Revelation. I also believe that it's the story of the end of the age and uh, God is going to pour out a bunch of plagues and destruction, and at the end, Jesus is coming back. Do I believe in a rapture? No. Um, it's nowhere in the Bible. And people will try to say there's a rapture so we can get out of a bunch of suffering and persecution, but uh, the Christians that have lived for the past 2,000 years, there have been millions of them that were tortured and put to death from the time from Jesus all the way down to right now in Nigeria. They are killing Catholic priests left and right. So I hope that I'll, I'll whet your appetite for some more study. You can Google Scott Hahn. He is a learned professor. He's got a lot of things about uh, the book of Revelation, the wedding feast of the Lamb, and the Eucharist and the Catholic Mass. Just Google Scott Hahn, H-A-H-N, and uh, you can do a deep dive on that. And we will see you soon on Tuesday with a new episode Pray for me and I'll pray for you.